To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 146. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back to do what we do best, and that's discuss sports. The fellas is back in the building. I got my brother Ramon with me, and Los is not on this episode, but he'll be back. Man, what's up, Ramon? How's it going? It's going well, man. First of all, shout out to Los. We're going to hold it down for you, brother, uh, while we record this episode. Uh, but everything is good on my end, man. Just one of those typical days. Uh, but always it's always a blessing to have this opportunity to come and record this podcast uh to give our listeners what they you know want to hear week in and week out uh that's what we ultimately do it for bro so you know anytime i get a chance to record i get juiced up for that whether the day was good whether it wasn't so good uh, i always love this opportunity so uh it's all good on my end bro uh how everything going for you Everything's good, man. Ready to get back to do what we like to do. You know, it's good, like you said, to get some sports takes off our chest, you know, some stuff that we talk about in the group anyway. But, you know, it's good to record it, get it get it out there in the world. Um, if you're checking out the podcast, make sure that you are subscribed. That's how you can keep up when we drop episodes. Our podcast can be found to wherever you like to listen to your podcast from. Uh, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, we are on Spotify as well. So uh, make sure that you are subscribed. That's how you keep us locked in. And um, you also can check us out on our social media, O underscore Bench Warmers on Twitter and Instagram. We will jump right into it. Week 10. Man, we just completed week 10 last night as we record this on Monday night. Um, What did you see? Are you, you want to start with your team first through 10 weeks? <laughs> I think. All three of us are just over our teams at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's really too much of a point to really give a major update on my team. Uh, I mean, we played the Patriots. We had, of course, one of our uh, NFL abroad games playing in uh, Frankfurt uh, this past week or whatever on Sunday. So uh, it's just one of those things where I'm just trying to honestly kind of get through this season. I really actually am in tank mode. You know, as I've stated weeks past, so I'm not so like gung ho on my team getting a win or a victory, you know, week in and week out. Obviously, we did beat the Patriots this week, uh, which even if I was rooting for us to do well, is not much of a win in itself anyway. Uh, I think that honestly, the storyline more so with that game is just kind of what we've talked about in weeks past about how the ship just continues to sink for New England. Um and likely will ultimately lead to Bill Belichick exiting. So don't have much on my Colts, man. I hope that after we got this dub, 
this this past week that we can start uh, a nice little losing streak. Yeah, man, I, I think it was the tank bowl and the Patriots did a better job at it than you guys did. So yeah. uh, I, I ultimately, when it comes to my Saints, another disappointing loss uh, at the hands of Josh Dobbs, who made him look like Mike Vick. Our defense could not really – our defense played decent enough for us to win, but offensively we're broken. And for the first time, I can look at Derek Carr and say he's not our guy. I don't think – Derek Carr is very, very average. Um, you could see it when Jameis got in, when he got hurt, when he went down. Jameis immediately, even though he can be too risky at times, that beauty that he threw to Chris Olave and that catch on Chris Olave, you know, and prior to that, Chris Olave – was only targeted one time by Derek Carr, and that was the second half. So I think it's more so with with Carr, he's afraid to push it down the field. He doesn't have the confidence to it. But in combination of our offense and our office coordinator, which I've been preaching all uh, season long, that he Pete Carmichael should be gone. And I, I like what the Buffalo Bills did. We'll get to them in a second. They got rid of their offense coordinator. So maybe the Saints will follow that trend. I highly doubt it. At this point, we're number one in the division. I'm not excited about it. I was going to lead to us getting wild card into the playoffs, maybe. And then we will ultimately be put out of our misery come round one in the playoffs in the wild card round. So I'm with you, Ramon. I feel like it's no benefit in being in the middle of the pack. We're clearly average. We're five and five, literally. So it's either we're going to be bad or we're going to be good. And I feel like we hadn't decided yet. So. Yeah, no, 100%. Middle of the pack is the worst place that you can be. It's literally the worst place that you can be. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to just see how y'all do ultimately sort out this, you know, Derek Carr situation with all that y'all committed to him uh, really in the offseason. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see the way that that shakes out, especially when you look at the fact, too, um, that this should be theoretically a really good QB class. Now, we do know that probably two of those names uh, that were looking to be in the class potentially in Shadur Sanders and uh, Quinn Ewers from uh, Texas likely won't be coming out, you know, into the draft this year. It seems like both of those guys are going to stay. But saying all that to say, ultimately, this did look like if you were looking for a quarterback of the future and looking for a guy that can lead your franchise for years to come and looking for a guy that obviously you could pair with uh with Chris Olave for years to come, it seems like this would have been that opportunity, but that's neither here nor there, I guess, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I know I could have said it better. Uh, one thing I will add is that um, when it comes to the Saints historically, like what we did with Drew Brees, we never prepare for um, the future, obviously, and that leaves us in a position that we're in right now. So my fear is that with Derek Carr clearly not being our guy, us holding on to him too long because, like you stated, we did commit a lot to him in the off season and I'm, and we will learn fairly quick. I don't know. It's because we're in the South or what of Southern hospitality, but we got to understand that we are running a business. And I, I think, although I think the, the loyalty to breeze was warranted because of what he meant to new Orleans and the saints. But at the end of the day, we're running a business and I feel like we held on to him too long without a replacement. And here we are. So uh, no one wants to hear about underperforming teams, of course, <laughs> But we'll discuss an impressive win, and that's C.J. Stroud as he has continued to make his plot for almost the favorite to win Officer, officer Rookie of the Year, at least. I'll be disappointed if he didn't. Um, he has my vote if I had one. Uh, but, you know, just how poised has this rookie been 
this season so far. I mean, this guy is putting up numbers. Like I mentioned, the, the stat last week about uh, his his numbers in his rookie year, it, 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 he's passed uh, – he's broken a Tom Brady record. So, um, I mean, the guy is, is phenomenal, and um, that's a huge win against the Bengals. I know the, the, we, we mentioned that last episode too, how much the Bengals are surging. So for the Texans to 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 win that game, uh, I'm taking a look at them, and I, you know, I, I think that you know they're rolling right now. I, I, they made me a believer at least. Yeah, uh, I, I believe one wholeheartedly. Just as you stated, you know, we talked about C.J. Stroud last week, and I think that it is time for us to have that serious discussion. Is not only he in the rookie of the year conversations as far as offensive rookie of the year. But is he in the MVP race at this point? You know, when we look at it, we don't have a true to me front runner this this year that's just running away from the pack. You know, even if you look at a guy that we talked about in last week and Lamar Jackson and the way that he was performing, obviously that team took a tough loss. But you look at it and 10 touchdowns to five interceptions, you know, a little bit over uh, a little bit under 2200 yards passing. You look at a guy in Patrick Mahomes that I think what has thrown eight interceptions this year, which is uncharacteristic from him, you know, not running away from the field. And you look at a guy in CJ Stroud that I think is likely, if not number one, is probably top three right now in passing yards. Uh, You look at him sitting at over 2,600 passing yards with a 15 touchdown to two interception ratio right now. Um, And this is a guy that's taken a team that was at the bottom of the league a uh, guy that walked into a situation that although the the naysayers and all of that want to take a step back now and say, you know, his situation is is so much better than Bryce Young's situation. No, before the season, nobody was was saying that. Nobody was saying that it was that CJ Stroud had all these amazing, ridiculous weapons over there. This is a guy that continues to elevate the people that are around him. You look at a guy in which we talked about Nico Collins before the season, a guy in Nico Collins that didn't play this past week. And you know what? C.J. Stroud still went and got it done. And you know what? He found a way to make Noah Brown be a relevant name and a guy that produced a uh, big time in that matchup. So saying all of that to say C.J. Stroud is putting on an MVP performance in the essence of it. I would say don't get caught up in just that record. At what do they sit? What five and four now at this point, which is very impressive, honestly, for them. Um, and so that record may still be behind, of course, your Jalen Hurts of the world at eight and one, and your Patrick Mahomes sitting at what seven and two, and you know, seeing that where Lamar is sitting uh with the Baltimore Ravens. But if we really talk about MVP and who is bringing their franchise to the the top level that it can be, CJ Stroud is somebody you got to consider, man. Yeah, I agree. No, no, no doubt about it. Uh, one thing I will say to play devil's advocate, I still believe that CJ Stroud's in a better situation. Now, I don't think it's overstated. You know, I I do get what you're saying, but you know, with Bryce Young, I mean, Adam Thielen is his best receiver at 34 years old. Uh, I, you know, we've said it in fantasy. We we said Nico and I like Tank coming into the season. Now. Not to take any credit away from him. Also, I do think that he has a more stable coaching staff situation, and I think he's along with a better defense as well. But you're right. I I I just say that in defending Bryce and and how people are just like not saying you're doing it, you're not doing it at all. But people dismiss Bryce, but I do think Bryce is in a terrible situation, 
And, you know, in a worse situation, I would say, uh, than, than Stroud. But not to take Stroud, like you said, the type of season that Stroud is having uh, with the historically with the Justin Herberts, the Tom Brady's quarterbacks that have had these types of rookie seasons have proven to be franchise quarterbacks. And I think and I know Houston has their guy. And, I, you know, I think that, like you said, he at the end of the race, he'll be that MVP. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And like you said, definitely, definitely no slight at, at Bryce at all. Um, you know, definitely he is in a, in a tough spot. But I just think that that shows how special CJ is, because still, ultimately, even though we may like these guys a little bit more, I think that ultimately it's not a world of a difference to the situations they find themselves in. I think you're seeing how good CJ Stroud is to be able to elevate guys. Um, I think that that's the true mark right there. And I think that, honestly, if they flip roles, just being frank, I don't think that the Texans are where they are with Bryce Young. And I think that CJ elevates the Panthers more than what they are right now. You put CJ Stroud on there, they're not losing to a Bears team without uh, Justin Fields. That's yeah. just my opinion. I got you. Yeah. Solid. Hey, but another impressive thing that I had to point out is these – Pesky Pittsburgh Steelers, man. Like they're never out of the picture. Mike Tomlin, I mean, they are sitting second in that division right now. Um, I mean, how does he he just has this, he's just Mr. Consistent, right? He just reminds me of like Belichick on those Patriots years where the Patriots shouldn't have been middle of the pack. It's no way this Steelers team should be six and three. It's no way. But with with solid defense. And, you know, we, we talked about Kenny Pickett. I'm ready to write him off. I think that I don't think he's the guy. And then we mentioned Matt Canada and his atrocious defense. And here they are sitting at six and three, Ramon. Like Mike Tomlin, it's not spoken enough about how great of a coach he is. And, you know, he is the second longest tenured coach under Belichick. But I mean, how consistent he has been for the Steelers this year. I mean, what a coach of performance I would think this year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that when you look at it, just like we were talking about the Texans, and obviously you have to put D'Amico Ryans up there. And I think that looking face-to-face, you know, as far as a coaching job this year is Mike Tomlin. As you mentioned, you no need for me to rehash it and echo everything that you said, but he's Mr. Consistent. And no matter what, they find a way to get it done. Uh, You look at this past weekend, they kind of really leaned on the running game. Uh, you saw Najee Harris have actually a solid performance. Obviously, he can be a little bit up and down. Uh, but I think that them having that addition of, of Jalen Warren really finding himself yeah. um, in that backfield has really helped them tremendously. And they've been able to kind of lean on that. And they're a team that you're just going to continue to kind of see around and see be in the hunt. You know, I think that one of the key things, and maybe not to get ahead of it too much, is really seeing, you know, how things shake out in this upcoming week. Because – they have an interesting matchup against the Cleveland Browns, uh, their division mate, who also had a heck of a win this past weekend that a lot of people didn't see coming. And so I think that it's, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how does Pittsburgh respond in that matchup. Yeah, it, it was it was amazing. I actually I'm actually uh, friends with a with a diehard Ravens fan, and he was devastated at that loss. But I told him prior to that game, I was like. You know, he was very confident. I was like, look, man, this is a division rival game. Anything can happen. I think the spread was seven and a half. I was like, that's too many points. I was like, at the end of the day, I feel like y'all pull it off. But 
Um, I, I, you know, as you took over the game and, and we saw Lamar Jackson, which leads to another interesting conversation. And, and I don't know how you feel about him. Uh, we saw Unc go on TV talking about Lamar Jackson in his matchup against Cleveland. He brought up valid points about the turnovers. We've seen the Ravens this year. I, I think that was actually against the Steelers had a, a big fumble uh, earlier this season that costed them the game. And then you saw this last game he fumbled and I think he threw a pick a, a very bad pick late in the game that costed them the game. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not quoting him, but paraphrasing, he's saying, he basically was saying that the Ravens winning games is basically hiding how subpar Lamar has played this season. Where are you with that? Where do you sit on that? So I'm, I, I'm a little bit in between on that. I don't, I won't say to me that he's been so subpar. I think that to me, he's done what that new offense requires of him, you know, and I think that he's fulfilled that week in and week out has, you know, to not go on a, a tangent, has that upset some fantasy owners throughout this year? Um, because he yeah, hasn't had, to, included. <laughs> yeah, because he hasn't had the boom performances, but I think that he's done what has been required of him. But I do think that in this matchup, uh, you did see that shortcoming. You did see uh, those two interceptions that were thrown and, and including that fumble. So you saw three turnovers, uh, but especially that late interception that led ultimately to uh, Cleveland, I think, getting within one point, basically, that that took it to a 31 to 30 game. And then ultimately later on, Cleveland kicks, of course, the game winning field goal as time expires. Um, but I, I sit kind of somewhere in between. I don't think that he's been subpar i'm not on the the level that he's been bad this year um i mean you got to think about it a week ago when we were kind of looking around at guys to throw in the mvp conversation we threw his name out there because nobody had kind of just grabbed that mvp and just you know taking it the real lead or initiative but um i think that it brought up some of the concerns that you know he talked about that from a playoff standpoint that you've seen you know when lamar has gotten in some of the big games you know, he hasn't always delivered. And so uh, is that a little bit of foreshadowing of what it's going to look like once it comes to playoff time? Uh, Are there some things to really question at this point? And I think that ultimately uh, it kind of helps, you know, potentially helps Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens that they have a short week this week to try to go ahead and get that behind them really quickly. Because I think that ultimately if they show up this week in that game against the Bengals, I think that this will be forgotten about pretty quickly. So, you know, I think that that's going to be what's going to be interesting, too. Yeah, he's sitting at a QBR of 61.4, five interceptions, 10 touchdowns, uh, and uh, he's thrown for 21, uh, 2,100 yards, um, along with his 400 rushing yards. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry, his uh, two, 200, 270 rushing yards. Um, I think that with Lamar, he – I think he's been up and down this year. I, I mean, we saw the amazing performance that he had with the Lions early this year, and they just destroyed the Lions. And, you know, everybody was on the Lions uh, trail uh, earlier in the season. Um, but he had, you know, what he had, 357 passing yards there and three touchdowns. And to go along with 36 rushing touchdowns and a rushing – I mean, a rushing touchdown and 36 rushing yards. I mean, he. I think he's just been up and down. I, I don't – I think – you know, to say that he's been playing subpar is a little bit going too far. Um, I do think that Lamar, you know, 
he's open to throwing the ball, throwing more picks when he's throwing the ball like he's throwing it. Uh, this is the first season where he's been required to do so, like you mentioned. I think he's fine. Uh, I, I think I think the, the Ravens are fine. I mean, the guy's allowed to have a bad game, but he has to tighten up on these turnovers because, like, like, like we mentioned earlier, I mean, it, this is not the first time that the Ravens lost late because of him. So, he, you know, he's going to have to tighten that up. Uh, but uh, I think that that he'll be fine. I think the Ravens are fine. And I think they are still a, a contender in in the league. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and I think that you got to look at it as well too. I mean, he's completing seventy percent of his passes, so I mean, we have to acknowledge that part too. You know, as we talk about his performance, but ultimately, as you mentioned, I think that they'll be fine. This kind of stuff happens within the season, and are we having this conversation or discussion if that field goal isn't good at the end of that game? You know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I love it. So uh, we, we'll move on here. Uh, I think that we did well with the recap. Those are all the items that I wanted to touch on. Is there anything else that you had or that stood out to you uh, that, in week 10? Yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. You know, I think that the only other thing that uh, kind of maybe stood out or I thought about a little bit was seeing how the 49ers responded, uh, being mm-hmm. fully healthy and geared yeah. up again after that bye week. Uh, I feel like that bye week served them well when they yeah. came out and had a dominant performance. Yeah, against a good Jaguars team who we, we expected to be a contender there as well uh, down the line. That's uh, speaking of your division, but uh, <laughs> impressive as it goes. But yeah, I mean, as we as we move continue on this trend um, of, of Thursday night football, we have a master, a monster, monster matchup coming this Thursday night. Uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Baltimore right up the road from me to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Man, it's going to be an amazing game, amazing atmosphere. Uh, I'm, I've am i been looking forward to it all week. We got one more sleep. When this come out, we'll have one more sleep, and then it'll be Thursday. Um, man, what are you expecting from this matchup, predictions? What does this mean you know, what does this game mean to these teams? Like, I know I piled on a lot of questions. You can answer <laughs> yeah. them one by one if you want. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, the predictions piece is a little bit interesting um, just because we got to pick them in between uh, us. As... <laughs> so, yeah, we do got to yeah. pick them. You falling behind in the pick them, man. I don't know if you can really salvage this. What? Uh, we we are like tired. Oh, you like got one game on me. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't I didn't fill up the wagon, man. I was in first for like a month, and now I'm like I'm last place now. Oh, you got week by week, man. If you able to one up, get two wins above the competition, just week in week out, you got to chip at it, chip away at it. It's just <laughs> like if you playing basketball, somebody got a twelve point lead, you don't make that up in one shot. You got to still be keep playing good offense. Eventually, you can whittle that 12 down to six. <laughs> Eventually, that six get down to two, and then you right back in it. So that's just how I'm looking at it. Uh, still not too far behind. But with yeah, that- you're, not, you're not too far. I looked at it. You're, you're in second right now. I'm two games behind you, so I still got some I, I still got some time to come back, though. Yeah, you just got to chip away at it, uh, you know, uh, and hopefully you can maybe still finish, obviously, behind me. I'm trying to win it all, obviously. But... <laughs> But as far as this matchup, for the know, sake of the pie, man, for the sake of the pie, 
I give you my honest prediction. You give me your honest prediction. Yeah, for the sake of the pod, honestly, I'm I'm still I'm not just saying this to say it. I'm, oh I'm really I'm really on the fence. I'm oh really I'm really because this this is the thing about it. I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are a better team at full force. Cincinnati, like long term, is a team that I would ultimately take. Like, let's just say this is a playoff game. Both teams are fully healthy. I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals. This matchup is interesting for me because, of course, Cincinnati still does come in a little bit compromised because T. Higgins is, you know, pretty much not going to play in the game. I mean, that's what is basically being stated at this point. Um, So they're compromised a little bit. And then obviously they are on the road in this matchup and heading, uh, as you mentioned, to Baltimore. And so I think that's what kind of maybe tips the scales a little bit here. I think that, you know, it's a little bit disappointing uh, but maybe it ultimately makes it a better game, but a little bit disappointing that both of these teams kind of suffered disappointing losses heading into this game. Because I feel like there was yeah. a little bit more of a build up. Both of the teams were on nice little winning streaks, seemed to be kind of peaking at the right moment. And then right before this matchup that we were talking about even last podcast, right before the matchup, then they both drop a game that kind of takes a little bit of the luster away from it. But I think that ultimately... Uh, big time matchup. I think that whenever you see, you know, a matchup that Joe Burrow, uh, big time primetime game gets to step into, uh, I think that it's still ultimately, even without T. Higgins, he'll have that offense kind of flying on all cylinders. I think that obviously Jamar Chase will be in a better spot from a health standpoint, still recovering from that back situation, uh, from that tough, you know, kind of fall that he took in that previous game. Um, so I'm really interested to see. Uh, as well, too, kind of on the other side, just as we were talking about Lamar Jackson, how does he respond in this game? You know, this is another big time game, prime time moment. Does he take care of the football? Is that, you know, Cincinnati defense that had been playing pretty well until they saw CJ Stroud? But is that Cincinnati defense, you know, a little bit too much for him? Uh, does he protect the ball? Does he turn over the ball? Uh, so I think that that's going to be kind of really interesting and to just really see too who kind of wins this turnover battle ultimately uh, will be something I'll be tuned into. But um, I guess kind of, you know, what are your initial thoughts? What kind of things are you looking at in the matchup? Uh, what are the kind of key either position matchups or anything of that sort that you're taking a look at? Yeah, I mean, it, you go. You got Cincinnati coming in as four point underdogs. Uh, it it's like you said, you can't find any trends. You know, they both coming off tough losses, so they both gonna come in angry, trying to compensate for that loss that they should have dropped. It's a division game. If you can make an argument for it, the Cincinnati's one game back in the division uh, at five five and four, um, and the Ravens are seven and three, so it's it's it's. It's a tough game. It's, it's going to be a game that neither team can afford to lose. Uh, if I was to give a slight edge and make a prediction, I would go lean towards the Ravens just because of that home field advantage. It can be a tough place to play. But at the same time, I can't bet against my boy Joey B. So um, it, it is tough, Ramon. I ain't going to lie to you. It is tough. I don't know. I don't know who's going to win this game. <laughs> Uh, it's going to, it should be a good one. Um, the matchup that I'm probably looking for the most, I'm, I'm looking at Odell two touchdowns in a row. Um, and I, I want to see is if he's finally, you know, it appears that he's reemerged, uh, that he's found his footing 
And, you know, I, I was looking at how he got his touchdown last time. It, it looked it looked pretty vintage. I mean, he was celebrating before he passed up the safety. Uh, and as he caught that that crossing route for 40 yards, like I, I'm, I'm interested to see if Odell continues to, to put a, a couple more of these together and he can sustain this. The Ravens can be very, very dangerous with Zay Flowers, uh, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman still relevant. Uh, Keaton Mitchell has emerged as as a as a weapon in, in the backfield as legitimate. Gus Edwards have been playing well. I think he's on a on a I think he's on a four game touchdown streak. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I mean, um, the Ravens are loaded. Um, and and you got Lamar who's who's always special and Mark Andrews of course. I mean, Mister Reliable, Old Faithful. But you know, um, I, I'm I'm interested to see. I, I don't I don't. But those are the matchups I'm looking for. Not to be long winded, but. You know, just Odell's reemergence to me. I'm interested to see how he performs on this stage because we all know Odell loved the lights and he loves the you know he loves playing on this stage. So I'm 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 interested to see him the most. Yeah, so pretty much it's gonna be a LSU night, is what you basically saying. Yeah, it's an LSU night. It's <laughs> an LSU night, man. Yeah. But you know, so I mean, if I if I had to choose, if somebody made me choose, um. I, I, I don't know, man. My heart, I want Cincinnati to win because of yeah. Joey, and I can't bet again. I don't feel comfortable betting against Joe Burrow. I just don't uh, for rightful reasons. But just my sports savviness and, you know, that I know sports and know it in and out on paper, the Ravens supposed to win. This is a spot the Ravens supposed to win. <laughs> I literally, I, I literally sit in that same spot. I'm gonna tell you just straight up right now, you know, because I try to go in, get my predictions and stuff in, you know, or picks in early, just so I won't forget last minute. And if yeah. I want to go back and change something, and I go back and change. Yeah. Right now, I have this game picked as Baltimore winning this game, but it's uh, still ultimately going to be a game time decision for me because I sit yeah. in that exact same spot that yeah. you sit. And I will say, if T. Higgins were playing this game, I try not to whittle it down to one player, but if yeah. T. Higgins were playing in this game, I would be picking Cincinnati. That's what has me a little bit kind of compromised yeah. in my decision. But that's kind of that's kind of yeah. when you overthink these decisions too. You yeah. know, that's where uh, you know we we know the injury, we know the impact of players, even players that you know uh, that people may not keep an eye out on. But at the end of the day, they're all professionals. And they they have a whole week to prepare without T, you know. So I don't know, man. I I, I just you know I, I I still didn't choose, but if I had to choose, I would cho- I would go. I, I land on the on the Ravens side for now. But like you said, it is a game time decision, and I may flip it later on to game. But I'm looking forward to yeah. this one. Probably one of the most exciting games uh, of the season thus far that I've been looking forward to matchup wise. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, so um what what we got next here, Ramon? Um you wanna talk a little uh you wanna talk a little uh well we could talk about our preseason predictions. I mean, I guess it uh we, we all have was high on the bills, uh, but uh I think that so far with another disappointing loss against the Broncos, but in a in a game where the Broncos turned it over four times and you still lose, and then you have uh, Josh Allen, whose inter whose uh interception streak continues, um, and then we woke up today and they fired their offensive coordinator, like you alluded to earlier. Um, I I share this opinion about it, Ramon. I don't feel as though 
it was an offensive coordinator problem. I feel like it's a Josh Allen problem. Uh, you know, the offensive coordinator has nothing to do with him throwing picks and and, and making ill-advised throws. Uh, I think the only the only problem I would say is that I don't feel like they target Stephon Diggs enough, which I think is a combination of offensive coordinator and quarterback. Um, but the Bills, man, they look like they are on the outside looking in. Who would have thought that we were all high on them in the preseason? And here we are. Yeah, no, like you said, man, it definitely has been a shocker because the team, the Bills have been a team that we've looked at for the last few years as a team that's in the upper echelon of the league. This is a team that we felt that even for several years could have been a, a team that have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And so obviously in coming into this season when they return uh, most of their key players, uh, you felt that this was a year that maybe they could take that next step. And, um, you know, I look at it. And like you said, to me, it does not come down to the offensive coordinator. Um, Josh Allen, we got to call it for what it is. You know, I think that we dress it up too much as him being among these elite guys. You know, I've heard even Greeny, you know, give him the argument of saying the, the present day Brett Favre and kind of the gunslinger uh, nature and all of that. Um, but I also saw something on Twitter uh, as one of those kind of family guy memes where, you know, they hold up certain things on the side of it and talked about like, how for him, you know, he can be labeled as a gunslinger, but in other situations, he'd be labeled as someone that doesn't read defense as well. And I'm going to just kind of leave it as that. Um, and I think that ultimately that's the issue right there. You know, you look at one of the the turnovers that he had last night where it was obvious that that the DB was sitting there waiting on him to throw yeah, that, like yeah, yeah. waiting on him to throw it. And as soon as he threw it, he just, he just broke on it and there was an interception, you know, he, also, too, it's not the offensive coordinator's fault that as he's handing the ball off to James Cook, he just drops the ball and fumbles the exchange. Um, so with the Buffalo Bills, I really don't see that to me that they'll turn it around and be a contender based upon this. Um, obviously, they're moving and shifting to Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator at this point, um, who is still ultimately living off that 2019 LSU team. Um, that that he got maybe more credit. He, they, he got just credit, but maybe a little bit more than he deserved. Yeah. But I know. mean, I think I think that statement would have been blasphemous in in twenty twenty. Uh, before we seen this off this version of LSU's offense, which is probably better than twenty nineteen offense. Crazy to say, crazy to say, but the numbers all point to that. You know, in 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 uh Thomas and 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 um uh, Neighbor. shoot neighbors tandem. Uh, what Jaden's doing so far in comparison to Joe Burrow. So, uh, I mean, when you have a talented team, you just have a talented team, right? Right, uh, right. Uh, but, yeah, that, those are good points there. Uh, I, I think that the ultimately Stephon Diggs, I, you saw Trayvon Diggs say we got to get – 14 got to get up out of there. Uh, I mean, y'all got to stop doing this to Unk, man. Yeah, still, like Stephen A. called this months ago, man, and, and people attack him and try to discredit him. And I, I think that that's a new tactic with players talking about when a reporter gets some inside, they just like, what is he talking about trying to discredit him? But Stephen A. called this, bro. He called it. Everybody knew that Steve, that Stephon Diggs ain't want to be there no more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you when you think about it, I mean, honestly, he did kind of say it and did call it. And, you know, we actually got on this podcast, too, and talked about <laughs> talked about Stephon Diggs' response to it and gave him a hard time. Um, 
And so, you know, hey, maybe hats off to Stephen A. You know, maybe he did have the inside source and in, in the plug that was giving him the inside You detail. said maybe, bro. You still not convinced. Well, it's just because I'm not a Stephen A. guy at this point, man. But that's a whole Oh, uh, you ain't a Stephen A. fan no more? Stephen yeah. A., yeah, he ain't. He ain't the same as he used to be. He 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 not. Yeah, I I in in some aspects you can say rightfully so. Like sometimes you know stuff goes to people's heads, and he has had a tremendously successful career, and no no doubt on that, and is continuing to pave the way even for guys like us. So hats off to him in that regard. But I just you know kind of he started to feel himself a little bit too much for me. A little bit the way in which he handled the Max Kellerman stuff on the back end. You know, I don't mind you not wanting to work with the guy anymore, but just kind of leave it alone. Don't talk about him to me after the fact. And then how he's expressed, too, basically, that if if he doesn't want somebody on the show, then people are questioning their talent and stuff at that point. Like, if Steven, they don't want you, then who will want you? Like, when you start getting into all that, that's why I start kind of the backpedal a little bit. But Needless to say, um, you know, it does seem like maybe he was on it with this Stefan Diggs situation, especially as you talked about and alluded to with Trevon Diggs, his brother, um, you know, with his tweets and all of that and saying basically getting him out of there. So um, it's just kind of a tense situation, obviously, with the Buffalo Bills. When you talk about a team that had those expectations, um, even expectations that we have for him, and when you're not living up to that, um, it starts to become a little bit tense, you know, and it can probably be a little bit tense in that locker room right now. And so we'll kind of see how it shapes up and shakes out for them. Uh, but as you mentioned as well, too, I don't think that ultimately, you know, firing off as a coordinator, firing Ken Dorsey, I don't think it's the 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 solution for it in the end all be all. Maybe it gets you a week or two where you rally around and maybe Joe Brady has some interesting calls for a little bit. But I think that ultimately the root cause of it has not changed. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at Stefan with only five targets this this past, you know, uh this past Monday night. I mean, it's just, you know, you you gotta you gotta get you gotta get Stefan the ball, you know, frankly, you know, rightfully, you know, he's a top five talent in the in the NFL, uh, as far as receiver uh position. And, you know, I, I think he's a very special talent. So I, I don't I don't think this offense goes without him. So I don't understand that. So, I mean, I guess if you want to point to the coordinator for not, you know, setting him up, but at the same time, Josh Allen is throwing him the ball and Josh Allen is the leader of the team. So the, you know, I guess to me, it just adds on to Stephen A's initial report that there was tension between Allen and, and Stefan Diggs uh, in the off season. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's clear that, that, that is the case when, you know, the franchise quarterback is not even looking his way, you know, and I think in a game like last night, uh, Gabe Davis, okay. Gabe Davis is a solid receiver, but he's no Stefan Diggs. You have to make your, you know, point to get your guy involved. And, you know, that was my thing. What I was talking about with the saints with Chris Olave, special talent. And Jameis was a, was pushing the ball down to him, took a chance on this guy. And, you know, he was rewarded for it, you know, you know, when you have a guy that's special, you have to give him the ball. Not to make him foot back to the Saints, but yeah. Nah, Devontae Adams tried to tell us, man. That's all I got to say. Devontae Adams tried to tell us. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. He did. Yep. So um, but yeah, so you know, I, I think enough of that. Uh we got some uh we could get into some uh NBA if you're ready for that. I know the NBA uh 
has started off kind of kind of lackluster here, but um, I did want to talk about the Clippers and them being 0-5 since James Harden has been in the lineup. They are a mess. Uh again, listeners, we don't we 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 know what we're talking about. We we discussed this uh, a couple episodes ago when James Harden was initially traded, and we collectively pretty much agreed that this wasn't gonna work, that it's not enough balls to go around. Uh it seems right now, I think that when you look at Balmer, you're seeing the lack of experience and the decisions that they make. And I think he's looking at it from a money perspective and not a, a cohesive team perspective. And being at the LA is a Lakers town, I feel like he he's doing anything to for the Clippers to steal those headlines. But any basketball person that knows basketball that knew that this wasn't gonna work. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, man, it's been a train wreck. You know, I think it's one of those is a really good point that you pointed out. You know, the Lakers, we've always had the star talent. We've always, you know, it's been the bright lights in the city. And so as you see in this situation, you think, oh, you know, we get the star talent. We get somebody else over there. And it's it's just the pieces do not fit together. You know, there we saw James Harden and Russell Westbrook together in Houston. Um, and we saw how that ultimately turned out. And now you've added the two of them. You've added to that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, um, who also, you know, Paul George more than Kawhi Leonard, but need the ball in their hands to a degree. And it, it just does not fit. You know, you you have to have a situation, honestly, that you got to get to the point that you stagger James Harden and Russell Westbrook um, because they are bringing similar things to that team. And I think that it's going to continue to be a train wreck if they don't make, you know, any kind of changes. Does this spur them, as we talked about offline, you know, and off the podcast, does this spur them to making another move? You know, are they going to have to look at a Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and eventually have to move one of those guys to to get viable pieces, you know, because at this point, Russell Westbrook doesn't have the trade value. You just traded for James Harden and got him. So I don't know how you turn right back around and try to ship him out. And his trade value is tanked at this point. So I think that they find themselves in a tough spot. I don't think that this ever will it get a little bit better. Obviously, as they play more together, it will get a little bit better. But is it going to be one of those? Hey, they just figuring it out right now and it's just going to take them time. And once they get to the playoffs, it's going to gel. I really don't see that being the case. This just does not work. No, I mean, then you look at the the result of your decision. You crushed Russell or revived Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook jumped around to three teams and you were the team to rehabilitate him. Tyrone Lou rehabilitated him. He was bought in and now you just kill all of his momentum, bringing in another guy that, has to have the ball in their hands to to be successful so ultimately i think the clippers are clippering you know they they that that's just what they do they always be subpar Uh, la will never be their town they can get this brand new stadium that they're going to build that'll be open next year which i'll be visiting and i will enjoy my time there but at the same time, they will never. They'll always be second fiddle to, to the Lakers. Yeah, get them out, yeah, out of the building. If you man. say, if you say it sounds personal, it is personal. It's personal. It's personal. <laughs> yes, straight Dion action over here. It's personal. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. I think that you know, so far, I think that the NBA has been really competitive. Like I spoke about last uh, podcast, but as we saw the reports, was that Zach Levine. Uh, that he may be on the move. So we have another month and a half of having to deal with this mess. 
uh, and wondering where he's going to go. But, I mean, it's fun to speculate. I would love to see him on the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm a, I'm a little bit on the fence. I'm a little bit on the fence with that. I think that I think that Zach Levine is a talent, and we've seen Zach Levine. Um, but I think that ultimately right now, when you look at his contract, I think that he has one of the, to me, worst contracts that's out there. And so to me, like, let's just say if you're a team like the Lakers, what is this doing? Once again, it's bringing you to that three-star model and it's bringing you to that point that, hey, if something doesn't work or you have one person go down, it kind of sinks the ship. And that's exactly the opposite of what the Lakers were trying to you really do um, in building out the depth of this team. Now, we do know that this team has faced injuries already early this season that has sacrificed some of that depth. Um, but I don't think that, to me, Zach Levine is playing at a clip and at a level that, to me, warrants that big contract that he has. I mean, obviously, in putting up 22 points a game, okay, that's solid. You know, putting up 4.7 rebounds, three assists. Um, but at the rate he's getting paid, like, that's for a guy that's, that's pushing around 30 points a game and a guy that's really, to me, being a big-time game changer. I don't think that, to me, he hasn't shot the ball as well this season um, as he had in previous seasons. Uh, he's not shooting it from three um, as well as he typically shoots it. I think he, from three this season, he's shooting at uh, right at, what, 31%. Uh, field goal percentage is right at 40% uh, or 41%. And, you know, in this day and age of the NBA, uh, that's not really efficient for where the league is at this point. So um, he's a guy that right now at this point, if the Lakers were to make a move like that, am I going to end up wearing Lakers glasses and say, oh, you know, that puts us right at the top of the league? Yes, I will do that. But honestly, if I take a step back right now, uh, I really wouldn't want the Zach Levine trade to happen unless you're giving up minimal pieces. Yeah, I agree with the minimal pieces part. Would I love it? I mean, I want I, I would love a Ferrari. Does that mean I'm going to get one tomorrow? No, it doesn't. But in a perfect world, you know, I, I like his game. I think he does bring talent and he does bring um that offensive punch that sometimes I've I've saw in a in this short little sample that I've seen with the Lakers at times. It does seem like we could use a little offensive sport. And I'm thinking of him bringing that aspect of the game. But at the end of the day, the season's early. I love the pieces that we have. I still love this team. I love how we're structured. I love how we're built. I love the reemergence of Cam Reddish. Um, I, I think that, you know, Ham has shown the the he's shown a, a couple things that he's willing to take chances with this lineup. And we know like last year, he's willing to play with some lineups to until he gets it right. Um, but yeah, I mean it, you know, it's a fun thought to have. But you know, if you were to think of a home for him, where would you think that he would end up? Mm, if I were to think of a home for him, where he would end up, uh man, this is kind of a tough one um of seeing because obviously I think that it's a a move that you know maybe somebody that's more of a contender that's looking for that push over the edge uh kind of looks to go to uh man I know that I I'm kind of I got one you okay who go? do you got because I'm I'm, uh, I'm trying to think um, um what, what about what about the New York Knicks oh I like that. You know, I like uh, that. Team, teaming them up with with uh, with uh, uh, with shoot. 
Yeah, you're with, talking about uh, uh <laughs> why can't we why we can't think of the point why. guard right now? I'm looking uh, at him in his face. You talking about Jalen Brunson? Jalen Brunson, yeah, teaming up with Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, I, I think you probably would have to move Randall, but mm-hmm. I think you would need to do for this to make sense, you would need to keep Randall though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Randall hasn't been playing well so far this yeah, year. Yeah, nah, he's been kind of down this year. Uh, man, that was tough. Miami pops in my head too I, for some reason. That's that's who just popped in my head as well. Yeah, too. Yeah, I, I think Miami they get him. You know, they could take some offensive pressure off of Jimmy, even though Jimmy doesn't really start scoring until like what until playoffs until playoffs. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Zach Levine, Jimmy, if you had Zach Levine, Jimmy, and then you had uh Bam, I I, I think, I mean, I, I would do that. I like that. Now, you do have uh you would have probably have to give up uh jeez. You talking about Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero. You know, you, it's no way you're making that deal without having to give up Tyler Hero. Yeah. And then some people say, so you look at this trade, would you rather have Tyler Hero? Would you have rather have Zach Levine? Yeah, and especially to me when am you I look talking at about, from, am I talking myself out of Miami? <laughs> yeah, may, maybe a little bit, but I I still don't think that you completely talk your way out of it just because obviously they were the big primetime suitor for Dame, you know, and so I think that they still have consistently been looking for that guy. And I think that if you compare them player to player, Zach Levine, to me, in my opinion, is better than Tyler Hero. Now, oh, I think yeah. when you look at it from a contractual standpoint – um, if you're gonna let money factor into it as well, the value of Tyler Hero and what he earns versus the value of Zach Levine, you know, uh, you know, kind of dealing with that. But I think that if you're Miami, it still is something that you have to consider of making that move because he still is a, a relatively young guy. This is really bothering me. We gotta find a home for Zach Levine. Maybe we continue podding and maybe it'll come to us. I feel like we're missing you, something. If you and eh, I don't know if he maybe kind of to me messes up this young nucleus a little bit, but I'm going to just throw this out here just because they have draft capital to make something like that happen. If you were the Oklahoma city thunder, do you consider it with Shea Gilgis Alexander with what you have over there in Chet? You still got Giddy around, and I don't know if he's maybe someone that you have to consider. Maybe you probably have to move him. Yeah. You probably have to move Giddy. I like that. It, I like that, he, but you still would need to. You still would have to rely on the on the on, like striking goal in the draft because I still feel like that's not enough. I still feel like that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a good thought yep. though. I mean, if we thinking like in two years they're ready to contend. I think yeah, but if we're thinking like a team, yeah. I was trying to think it's of a just, team that that when you said could push them over the edge and could afford to make the deal. It's just it's only a select few teams that I could think of. Yeah, because and then most of those kind of teams really kind of made moves in the offseason that were really to fortify them. I mean, you look at already you take Boston out of that equation. There's no fit there. You take Denver out of the equation. There's no fit there. You know, you did. Philly. Yeah. If I'm Philly, I might I might would make that move. Interesting. Interesting. Do you. How do you think he and, and Tyrese Maxey fit? I, I think Tyrese Tyrese Maxey, his you wouldn't get his his scoring that he's giving you now, but I mean, you still getting you probably still would get what you probably got when Harden was there. I, I mean, he was averaging close to twenty points with Harden there, so 
I think that could still happen. And with Zach, you don't really – Zach doesn't need the ball per se to be effective offensively. So I, I think that that might be a fit. You would have to give up Tobias Harris, though. Yep. So you're giving up some defense and rebounding. Um, but, I mean, you probably have to give up a couple picks maybe, you know. I, I, I like Philly. I like Philly. Yeah. I like that move for Philly. I think I yeah. figured it out. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's definitely a great call. I think that Philly would definitely be a really good spot. Um, and I think that it just, to me, under the radar and not exact level, but if the Chicago Bulls are truly looking to potentially blow it up, I think, man, Alex Caruso is the hidden gem in all of this. He's <laughs> yeah, the he hidden is. gem in all of this. He's one of the best defensive perimeter players that we have in our league. Like, you know, look at, look at, you know, don't look at, don't worry. A lot of what he does doesn't show up in the box score, but I'll put him right there with Drew Holiday. I'll put him up there in that, in that class of defender on yeah. the perimeter. But oh, yeah, man, that, that was kind of fun, man. We should, we should do, we should do more of those, man. We should do more of those, like, you know, predicting the trades and, you know, predicting what moves we, we see happening. That was pretty fun. That was yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, man, I think we did it again, man. I, I mean, we, we, we'll squeeze in some college football here real quickly and we get out of here, man. Uh, Give it to me, man. Heisman race is heating up. Not really. <laughs> uh, But somewhat, somewhat. We got we got some we got some, you know, we got some heat. You know what I'm saying? What do you what do you think about the Heisman race? Yeah. No, I think that just from a Heisman race standpoint, you know, what we're kind of facing and seeing is is it gonna take the lane of going and who truly has been the most outstanding player as the award truly states, or are we gonna get the best player on one of the best teams? You know, it's yeah. it's that whole NBA MVP discussion that we've had for years. Is it truly the most valuable or best player does he go to the best player on one of the best teams and so when you look at it right now I think that it's really a three-guy race you know if I were to say each year obviously now there's four guys that are automatically going to New York so if I were to say the four guys that I think will be sitting in New York um, it's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. that'll be sitting there um, along with Michael Penix Jr. uh, Bo Nix and uh, Jaden Daniels will be the four guys that I think are sitting there uh, from Probably to me, a bias standpoint and to me still even looking objectively of who who's been the most outstanding player in the nation. Uh, Jaden Daniels should be the front runner for the award. Uh, but obviously, as we know, with LSU having those three losses, that's ultimately going to make it a pretty an uphill battle and a difficult battle for him to get it over guys like Bo Nix, uh, who is really the polling favorite at this point, or Michael Penix Jr. Um you know, I think that ultimately when I look at it, I think that those three losses that uh, LSU suffered, you can't hold those against Jaden Daniels, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, we know how bad that defense is. And when you really look at it from a strength of schedule standpoint, LSU has the fourth ranked strength of schedule, you know, in the nation. If you look at the other two guys that are the main ones that are, you know, up for being a top three candidate in Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., Oregon has the 53rd ranked schedule. Washington has the 43rd ranked schedule. So in my opinion, should Jaden Daniels get penalized because his team played a tougher schedule of which in those performances that he's had against those tougher ranked teams, he still performed well each and every game. So you know, I think that that's what it's ultimately going to come down to. Does it come down to, hey, we're going to go out there, we're going to pick the best player on one of the best teams, 
or are we going to truly go by what the award states and awarding the most outstanding player? Man, I tell you what, if you was the, the politician spokesperson for Jaden Dance to get this award, I think that you're pretty well on your way on Jaden getting a vote because uh, you really convinced me. I, I think Jaden ha- has had a very special season, and I think we talked about Jaden last year. And, you know, I said this, you know, he frustrated me a lot of times last year. And, you know, yeah, I think it's time for us to have a discussion because, you know, we know we went back and forth with Lowe's for, for – for weeks about uh, Keyshawn Booty and, you know, it's turning out, you know, we weren't wrong with Keyshawn Booty and we thought that his talent was there and, you know, we know what he did at the last year, but, you know, we saw what Keyshawn Booty was when he was the, when he had to be the guy. And when I look at Malik neighbors and how special he's been this year um, and in the case that he's made to be a top 10, he's a really talented receiver. And it was a reason why, the ball was kept finding him from Jaden consistently last year and wasn't finding booty. Um, but fast forward to now, you know, if, if you, if you look it up, I don't know if I'm recorded saying this, but I said, Jaden could be a Heisman candidate. And I said this like, wait, I, I work with a Bama fan. I told him this like before the offseason. So I said, we have a Heisman candidate on our team. And he looked at me, you know, kind of side. I'm like, man, look, Jaden is everything that a Heisman candidate would be. He's special with his legs. He can, and all the only missing piece is, is his accuracy. And he's proven time and time again that he's worked on that. I've seen his arm strength. I've seen his pinpoint accuracy. I've seen him throw receivers open. And he, like you said, the only, you know, I saw statistically, we didn't throw out a lot of stats because we don't need to. Just look at the tape. Look at the tape of the best player in the, in the country, and you will clearly see it if you watch one game. And I think for them to hold three losses against him, I think it would suck. But ultimately, I feel like, you know, I could be wrong, but I feel like that may be the only determining factor. But like you said, two of those losses weren't bad losses. If you're saying a, a loss to Bama who's emerging, who very well, I wouldn't be surprised if they made the, the college fl- football playoffs and win it all. And then you, you look at a, a Florida State team who's been number four in the country for the better part of the year, and you play them in game two when most teams are 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 having cakewalks in week one. I'm sorry, week one when most teams are are opting in to have a cakewalk in their first game. So the only game that you have is Ole Miss, which wasn't his fault. It was probably one of the highest scoring games, yeah. and his defense giving up uh what what they gave fifty five points, 50, 50 yeah. points over fifty points, yeah, and over seven hundred yards is what the defense and, gave. And up. you're saying that's Jaden's fault. I mean, I I just point to you, like I said, Jaden Daniels is your Heisman front runner. And if anybody has eyes, they could see that. And I know we sound like homers right now because we both graduated from LSU, but I don't care. I mean, the guy's special. He's fun to watch. I cannot wait to see him in the NFL. I think that he reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson. He may not be as fluid with his cuts, but nobody's as fluid as, with their yeah. cuts as as Lamar. And what I mean by that yeah. is that Lamar doesn't have to slow down to make a cut. Jaden, you know, he had to see it. You know, he has to slow down a little bit. He, but he's he's super. Yeah, he's athletic. He's, he, he's super he's, special. And yeah. he showed me a burst in that Florida game, and I didn't. He hadn't got to that level of burst. I don't know if I ever seen him run that fast, like. That burst that he saw, like, he's really, really fast, but he's never had to use it. And that's how special of a runner he is. And that was one time where he was just like, man, I'm going for it. Yeah. But- no. 
100%. He's the, you know, uh, tweeted this out during the game. He's the second best running quarterback right now in football, period. And that's talking yeah. NFL and college. He is the second best running back behind, as you mentioned, Lamar Jackson. He is the second best running quarterback, period, at this point. And yeah. as, as you were mentioning. And he's a better passer at this point in his career yep. than Lamar was. So it's kind of scary. And, you know, I, I was I was talking to Los about that. We both agreed. I mean, you know, you look at where Richardson went, Anthony Richardson went in the draft last year. And, you know, he was always good, but nobody really had him where they, where he went in the NFL draft early on. But, I mean, I, the sky's the limit for Jay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He may be the next great quarterback. Yeah. He has and, the tools. And, I, and I'm going to say this, you know, if he winds up and he wins this Heisman and we know what that can do for – you know, kind of the, all the hype and everything that surrounds it. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not saying, and don't put me on record, that he will be the number one pick, but I'm going to tell you this. They're going to have a discussion between he and Caleb Williams. And I know that it's been a runaway that Caleb Williams has been the yeah. guy before the season started, in the middle of last season, all that kind of stuff like that. I'm telling you, they will have a discussion if Jaden Daniels finishes this season in the way that he has performed and he goes to New York and he wins that Heisman Trophy, you got to look at it. In all the big-time games, and, and that's that's the measuring stick, in all the big-time games, Jaden Daniels has performed in each and every one of those. What I will say, and this is not to knock Caleb Williams because I, I believe in the talent as well too, right. but in some of the biggest games that they've had this season, and both teams are working with terrible defenses, but in some of those biggest games, you look at that Notre Dame game, he was terrible against Notre Dame. You know, you look at um, – I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. There were some several games where he was a was little bit – Was it was Oregon, Oregon game? game? He was he was okay. He was okay against Oregon. You know, he played well against Washington and they still lost. But saying that to say, Jaden Daniels has, has stepped up and been there each and every game. So I'm not telling you right now Jaden Daniels will be the number one pick. But saying that to say – I do believe on record right now that Jaden Daniels will be a top five pick in this upcoming draft. Yeah, I like it. I like it, man. I like it. Uh, so for all you people that saying it, they think their team can get Jaden Daniels late in the first first round, early second round. No, that's not happening. Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, man, brother, we did it again. That last segment was fun. We got to talk some LSU football. Uh, but um, yeah, man, thank you for rocking with us this long. We're gonna get on. Go ahead and get on out of here. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, like I always say on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Um, and just make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That's how you keep up with us. Make sure that we're getting out of that town. We've been pumping out pretty much a lot of content every week. So we've been consistent with it. So um, you get that notification if you're subscribed. But until next time, we out of here. Later.